We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, what is going on Thursday, January the 26th, 2023? Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here, the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up Show, and we have got a big show for you guys today. Really appreciate you all tuning in. We are jam-packed as we double dip with the guests at 12.15. We've got my good friend Michael Bratton. You know him better as SEC Mike of That SEC Podcast. We're going to talk all things Gamecocks football. We have not chatted with Mike since before the season. So tons to catch up on here on this Thursday. Also, of course, 115. we got J.C. Sherbert. Uh, joining us today as well. I see John Edwards, C. Youngblood, Justin Langford, Travi, Todd Smith, Stephen Borrell Jr., Noah Johns, also those in the Big Cock Club Discord. Head over to the TDC Questions channel. The TDC Questions channel. Be sure your questions are answered there. Of course, as always, guys, TDC brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app. Or go to prizepicks.com. When you do, use the promo code TS. U.S. to receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You can play anything and everything, college sports, pro sports, everything in between, guys. They've got it over at Prize Picks. So, again, go download the app or go to prizepicks.com. So many fans and listeners of the Daily Crow and of the Spurs Up Show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, use promo code TSUS at sign up to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out. Oh, oh. Okay, no idea what just happened. But anyways, for the next 15 minutes or so, we're taking your questions, comments, calls. 843-790-3377. I do apologize. The hackers are working early today. Bruin Nation, what's going on? Yeah, the remix. I have no idea why it does that, but here we are. Greg Bedinger says, glad to be back. Missed the last two shows. Anything breaking this week? Um, you know, Michael Smith committed earlier in the week. Greg, if you listen to the podcast that dropped this morning, uh, I caught you up to date with everything that's happened with South Carolina football. It has been a very, very busy week for Gamecocks football. Um, on the recruiting side of things, the Trajan Jeffcoat situation continues to roll on. Uh, outside of that today, you know, we've just been talking baseball. Great conversation, by the way. If you're interested in the Yardcocks, you want to learn more uh, about this upcoming season, this team, if you will, Aaron Fitt at D1Baseball.com joined me. A fantastic conversation. Of course, D1Baseball.com has the Gamecocks ranked 23rd in their preseason poll. And I will say this. I thought Mark Kingston, I thought he made a great point. 
you know, he was on Sports Talk earlier this week, and I thought he made a great point about the preseason top 25s that, you know, D1Baseball.com, and I mean, the, the other entities do a great job, right? Baseball America, Perfect Game, you know, College Baseball Nation, our good friends 11.7. You know, they, they all do a fantastic job, but he made the point that D1Baseball.com is the only outlet that has actually watched them play, that has been out to the field and watched them, right? Aaron Fitt was actually in attendance at the Garnet and Black World Series in the fall. So it's like, how can you make a top 25 if you haven't even seen teams play? And I understand that college baseball, you know, isn't covered as in-depth as some other sports. And I totally get, too, that, you know, D1Baseball.com, those guys, they do it for a living. They do it full-time versus some others that maybe don't. But, um, you know, when you think about it and you take that into consideration – Whose preseason top 25 is going to be most accurate? Well, probably the guys who have actually watched the teams play at any point. So, um, you know, D1Baseball.com is high on South Carolina. Again, they've got the Gamecocks in that preseason top 25. And Aaron Fitt gave a lot of his reasons why. And we've released some content around that this morning, a clip from that conversation. And truly a great conversation. Every conversation I have with the D1Baseball guys, it's, it's – uh, it goes really well. It's really incredible. Those guys know their stuff, and I appreciate Aaron Fitt taking the time. Uh, again, guys, today, 12-15, we got SEC Mike of that SEC podcast. He joins us. Um, also, one fifteen, of course, J.C. Sherbert, as we normally do. <clears throat> and then tomorrow on TDC, it's a huge guest week. Uh, we've got Kyle Peterson, ESPN college baseball analyst. He joins us tomorrow at 1 o'clock. So really, really excited, guys. We have loaded up on the guests this week and excited to hear what SEC Mike's got to say. Again, I don't think we've chatted with SEC Mike since, um, you know, before the season. So a lot to catch up on. Really, really intrigued to hear what he has to say, especially since Mike is Mike is a Tennessee guy. <laughs> Tennessee guy by trade, so... Anyways, in the meantime, though, guys, <clears throat> would love to get some of your questions, your comments, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Lance, what's going on, my guy? Thank you so much for tuning in. Another rough night last night for the Court Cox. Gamecocks falling to Florida by 21 points. Um, I mean, what is there really to say, right? Same old, same old. It's just kind of the same old thing. You know, last night was the first time I've recorded a, a podcast late in quite a while, right? Because normally – uh, I'm not recording after games anymore, recording more so in the afternoon, like four or five o'clock. I, I was up late last night till about 10 or so recording the show. But, you know, wanted to do that, wanted to watch the game and take it in and give you guys a, a live instant reaction. But unfortunately, it's become one of those things where it's like, what's the point? What's the point? Um, it's just like, what's the point? So, Chad Godwin. JC said, uh, let's see. John Everett, Elijah Caldwell. Yes, Rock Hill. Yes, Rock Hill. Yeah, and we just talked to JC, by the way, on Inside the Gamecocks. Um, yeah, we, we just talked to Inside the Gamecocks and talked to the Nick Harbor stuff. Of course, Shane Beamer and company were, were out there. And I see Chad Godwin. I'm not going to pretend like I don't see your comment. Chad Godwin says, Chris, JC knows for a fact Beamer never talked to Riley. Will you now call out the Upstate show apologize for saying Beamer is not being honest. I didn't say that Shane Beamer wasn't being honest, Chad. That's why I deleted my tweet because people completely missed the point. I'm not going back into this, Chad. If you want to go listen to the Tuesday show or what was it, yesterday's show or whatever, you're more than welcome to do so. I I'm not I'm not spending any more energy, any more breath on it. Um, with that being said, J.C. Sherbert, and I talked to J.C. after the fact as well, and he also told me that Garrett Riley was never a priority for us. We He never, 
you know, we, we never pursued him in that manner for the job. So I, I don't know. Mark has his sources. JC has his sources. Shane Beamer is a source. I'm not going to use this opportunity, Chad, as I'm sure you'd love for me to do, to, to throw Mark Ryan under the bus and say he's an idiot, he's clueless. And I will just say this. I 110% support Shane Beamer. The entire point of what I tweeted was not to call out Shane Beamer to take any sort of side. It was more so a mockery of the people in the comments that want to cancel Mark Ryan and cancel anybody for that matter off the internet. A lot of those same people, they want to cancel me off the internet. So with, and, and they continue to try to do so to no avail. So um, I will just say this. It's a reason why I'm really glad my business is not based around, based around being an insider. I would not label myself an insider. I would not label myself. I didn't have any sources. No sources told me anything. When the, re, when the news came out about Garrett Riley, my reaction was solely from the fan perspective and how fans felt about it. My, my reaction was not because I don't know what Shane Beamer wanted. I don't know who Shane Beamer called. I don't know who Shane Beamer contacted. Nobody told me anything. So my tweet wasn't about saying Shane Beamer's a liar. Like that is the furthest thing from the truth. And that is just a great example of, and hey, I've got to know this. And I know this for a fact that you put something out there. People can just spin it however they want. Um, it's, to insinuate that I was calling Shane Beamer a liar and that I think Shane Beamer's a liar is just completely foolish. It is, it is slap dickery behavior, Carolina slap dick community behavior. So, which is not surprising. Unfortunately, it's very unsurprising, but uh, no, I'm not going to take it as an opportunity to slam someone or throw them under the bus. And Hey, whoever's, whoever's sources got sources, whatever Mark Ryan sticks by his sources, dude, I don't, I don't really give a damn. We got Dowell Loggins. I don't know even what difference it makes at this point, but uh yeah, J.C. Sherbert said that they never even had contact, I guess. I guess he never even called, so is what it is. And I guess what it has to reaffirm is that Dowell Loggins really was our choice, and that should give you full confidence it should work because that's the guy that we wanted. So, <laughs> I mean, Coleman says Beamer didn't contact Riley at all. Why not? I don't know. I don't know because Dowell Loggins was his guy. I mean, I, I think a lot of it, I'll be totally honest with you, Chab, and I just said I wasn't going to spend a whole lot of time on it. And again, I don't know. I trust J.C. Sherbert and what he says. You know, I, I don't think Mark Ryan's completely full of shit. I don't think, like, I just, I find it hard to believe he would just completely make something up. But I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I just look at the information that's presented, and, and there it is. I was never agreeing that his sources were 110% accurate. Again, I was never insinuating that Shane Beamer's a liar, I would never do such a thing because I love Shane Beamer and I've got a tight relationship with Shane Beamer. I've got a tight relationship with the entire coaching staff. And again, I, I, here's the thing, guys. I'll say this. Those of you that listen to my show, you're hearing me say all this and you're giving me the opportunity. You are listening and listening to me explain things. And so I see people on social media that bitch and moan and this, that, and they have questions of certain things. If you're not willing to even seek out the answer in our content, I'm not going back and forth with some troll on social media. Like, I'm just not doing it. I'm just not doing it. So um, you want to know the answers to things I think you can listen to the show here. You can listen to the podcast. I'm not using Twitter as an incubator to go back and forth with the with the mob, if you will. Just not doing it. So let's jump to the phone lines. Awesome. Win French. To accept. What's going on, my man? How are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. What's up? Uh, Nothing much. I'm a huge fan of yours. Um, I'm a big Carolina fan uh, for many, many years, and I just wanted to uh, one say thank you so much for taking my call. It's uh, really a huge honor to even be on the phone with you. Well, I appreciate it, man. You said your last name was French, correct? 
Yes, sir. You don't you don't have any relation to to Jonathan French, the new catcher, do you? I'm just curious. That's that's a unique last name. No, do not. I do not. Um, I do not. I am, or I was a former uh, high school football coach at Dutchport High School, though. Okay. Nice, nice. Yeah, I just Jonathan yeah. French. His last name is French. I was like, maybe this is, maybe there's some <laughs> relation here. But no, I I, I, pre- know, right? I appreciate you calling in, man. Sincerely, I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, like I said, I'm a huge fan of yours. Uh, you know, I see you on the uh, on game day, or well, I try and see you on game day uh, whenever I'm down there and everything like that. And I want to, I wanted to smoke a cigar with you because I know you're. <laughs> a big timer and cigars and everything like that. But um, how do you think going into 2023 um, is going to work out for our Gamecock? On the football side of things, I think it's going to work out really well. I mean, I think we've got holes on the roster that we still probably need to address. I think uh, I'm a little bit more concerned about the defensive side than the offensive side, um, you know, with the return of, of Rattler and Wells. And it's going to be, you know, it's it's like every season, right? There's, there's question marks. I mean, every team has them, but uh, – you know, I think you've got to plug some holes up front on the defensive side. You've got to be able to slow down the run better. Uh, you know, the secondary is going to be a new-look secondary, but you got a lot of talented guys there. You've added some pieces at linebacker. So I think up front defensively is the big question. Offensively, it's just finding consistency, right? I know the offensive line is going to be a little bit retooled. You need to find a really a second and third option at the wide receiver position. I think we feel good about Trey Knox at tight end. If you got a Nick Harbor, I think we feel confident he's going to step in and play a big role. But you got Rattler and Juice back, and that was the – that was the big win, I think, of this offseason and getting them back on your roster. And, you know, I mean, my way too early prediction was nine and three. You know, I think uh, the floor is probably of expectations is an eight-win season. Uh, I think that's what people want to see. And I think all of a sudden the Gamecocks, you know, are a dark horse in the SEC East. Realistically, do I think they're on the level to, to beat a Georgia? No. And I know Michael Bratton's going to join us. He'll have something to say about that because he's a, he's a bit of a Tennessee guy. And I know Tennessee is going to be really optimistic going in the year. But – I mean, I, I think uh, I think South Carolina's in a great position if they can plug some of those holes they've got right now. I and mean, I think they're in a great position um, to have a big year in 2023. It starts with that UNC game week one, man. I think that's going to be the tone setter. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and really, I, I'm kind of, you know, as you are probably as well, I'm kind of biased on the whole NIL stuff and people transferring. Mm-hmm. And it's really like kind of scratching your head one of those things where you just like you look at the people that transferred out and you're like seriously like really man like yeah but yeah i mean it, yeah it's, the the day, you know, it's, all we got is all we need that's really what it comes down to the end of the day so <laughs> oh yeah definitely for sure man um but like i said i'm a huge fan of yours um i have been for a couple of years now and um like i said i, I know you're doing um what you love doing, man, and I, uh, I I applaud you for it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Truly, I sincerely appreciate the call. All right, have a good one, bud. Yeah, man. You too. Take care. Great stuff. Great stuff from uh, great stuff from our guy calling in. Um, all right, we're gonna close up the phone lines. We got Michael Bratton waiting in the wings here of that SEC podcast. You know him better as SEC Mike. Um, let's see. All right, phone lines are closed up. We're going to see if my guy Michael Bratton will cut his camera on, or maybe he's just going audio. I don't know. Let's see. Um, Yeah, it's 12.15. All right, we're going to go ahead, get him in. Mike, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? What's going on? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's up? 
Hey, yeah, sorry, no video. It says not supported. I don't know what the heck's going on with that. But if you want to see my ugly mug, I got a YouTube page for that. But uh, <laughs> hey, I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. I appreciate you tuning in, jumping in with us. And it's all good with the camera, man. We call, we call the audible when we need to. And hey, we can hear the sound of your voice, which is really all that matters. Really excited to chat with you, Mike, because I know we have not spoken since before the season, I think it was. The last time you and I spoke on the air what a year it was for the Gamecocks, man. An eight-win season. Obviously, the final two weeks, I feel like, really uh, turned the tide and changed the narrative, if you will, the big wins over Tennessee and, and the arch-rival Clem Sucks. When you look at this year, obviously, you lose in the Gator Bowl to Notre Dame. But your overall thoughts on the job that Shane Beamer and company did, especially, again, what they did in those final two weeks, bouncing back. And uh, obviously, I know you 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 heard me go on record and say that I, I thought Tennessee was just going to do whatever they wanted to South Carolina and you know, sure enough, it just I'd say an improbable, most improbable two-week stretch or one of the most improbable stretches we've ever seen from a team in those final two weeks to, to really uh, put the exclamation point on year two of the Beamer era. Yeah, I think South Carolina just scored again on Tennessee's defense. So <laughs> um, I'm wearing my Jalen Hyatt shirt. I'm really <clears> disappointed <throat> this video is not working out. I was, I mean, I, I don't know if that's much of a troll. He didn't do much against the Gamecocks this year anymore, mm. but um yeah, I mean, hell, I didn't see that coming. We, I mean, we basically didn't even spend much time previewing the game because we were laughing up at, at South Carolina's odds. I think they were like a 20-point underdog, of course, coming off a um, an ugly performance against Florida. So I don't know where in the hell South Carolina pulled that performance out from under them, but it, uh, you know, it, and maybe because I am a Tennessee guy, I'm more impressed with Clemson, with, with how they beat Clemson on the road. And really, I know it was just a one-point ball game, but that was due solely to mistakes South Carolina made in that game. They dominated Clemson, a Clemson team that was per, much like Tennessee on a path to the college football playoff, snapping that streak. Uh, I mean, just, just a remarkable job. And the only critique I would have, and I, I don't even know if this is fair because it's early – in Shane Beamer's tenure, but we just like to see a little bit more consistency coming out the gate a little bit stronger. Now, you know, on, on the road at Arkansas, that was a tough one. Nobody was touching Georgia this year. So again, maybe that's not a, a fair criticism, but they better start quick next season because I think uh, this is something I pointed out the other day. I'm looking at uh, next year's schedule, of course, North Carolina, uh, right out the gate. I don't know how good they're going to be, but everybody's hyping up their quarterback. And, and aside from the bowl game a couple of years ago, North Carolina has been a, a real problem with the Gamecocks. I, I got confidence that the Gamecocks can get that one, but more importantly, two weeks down the road at Georgia and then two more weeks at Tennessee, you got to be playing on your A game because I think Tennessee and Georgia, well, obviously Georgia's here to stay, but I, I don't think Tennessee's going anywhere either. And the, the final seven games are all winnable for South Carolina. So if, if you come out of that winning four games out of your first five, which is very doable, yeah, we may be talking 10, 11 win season. Now, I want to get I want to get to that 2023 schedule, Mike, in just a second. But uh, you look at the offseason, right? The dust settles. And, of course, the, the, the recruiting momentum for South Carolina has been an all-time high. But the biggest get, I would argue, of the offseason was getting Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells uh, to return. J just talk about, I'd love to hear your perspective on how that changes your outlook 
of South kind of football. Because, again, you mentioned it sounds like you're saying, you know, the ceiling could be 10 or 11 wins this year. And I talked about, again, at South Carolina, I really felt like that the return of your quarterback and receiver and that duo, which looked to be one of the best duos in the SEC at the end of the year, that takes you from being those guys being back or not being back. You go from a fringe kind of six or seven win, just kind of a fringe bowl team, to now, like you mentioned, having that ceiling and realistically shooting for nine or ten wins. But your just overall thoughts on, uh, you know, because I think most of us thought Spencer Rattler was a one-year-and-done deal, and there was still some debate and speculation on what he would do after the season and after the bowl game concluded. And sure enough, Shane Beamer's able to keep them home and uh, have them return. And all of a sudden, now South Carolina – you know, we thought it was going to be this one-year experiment. Now you got your quarterback and your best receiver back, and I think it all of a sudden just makes them a threat in the East. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, kind of similar to Shane Beamer. I mean, we need to see that consistency from Spencer Rattler. I mean, he's got an NFL arm. I mean, you know, people say that, and it, that's some people they attach that to thirty quarterbacks a year, but it's it's not true. There's only about a dozen that have that in college football, if that. And Spencer Rattler is one of those. Um, and, you know, I was singing his praises all offseason. I I kind of felt a little bit foolish. I mean, the old takes guy was – man, he was blasting me during uh, – I think it was the South Carolina State game. I think Rattler mm -hmm. threw a couple picks in that yeah. game. They still won by 40 points because they – because they're so, uh, you know, outmatched in that ball game, But I felt a little bit of redemption because, again, we, we saw that against Tennessee. We saw it against Clemson, even though he may have had a mistake or two in Clemson. They don't win that ball game. They don't even come close to winning it without Spencer Rattler uh, against Clemson and, and certainly against Tennessee. I mean, he, he looked like – I know there, there's jokes out there, Heisman candidate – he looked like a Heisman candidate during that run. And if he can put together a 10, 11, 12 season, similar to, to how he closed it out, I'm fascinated to see how he performs in this Dow Loggins offense. You know, Marcus Satterfield, I, I realize, you know, he's a punching bag for the fan base, but according to uh, some analytics I trust, I was pretty shocked at this myself. He was around a top 25 play caller. Now, I think that was heavily uh, – you know, influenced by how the season ended and how great they were, because I, certainly on the face of it, he, he did not do a good job for mo most of his career. So I, I'm just very curious to see how this Dow Loggins hire, what that does for Spencer Rattler. Does that get some more consistency out of his game? And I think it was a wise move for him to come back because he would have been drafted, no doubt, but I, I find it very hard to believe he would have been a first-round pick after this last season i certainly think he can be in the next draft so i think it's a win-win for everybody involved mike i want to get your take on the dowell loggins thing before i do though this is a little bit of a side note and switching gears you're 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 locked in on twitter right and obviously you, you've built a massive following for yourself and uh you know via your personal channel sec mike and, and that sec podcast whatever you're, you're in touch though with all the sec fan bases and sec twitter as a whole um, so I'm sure you keep an eye on some of the madness and the mania that occurs within Gamecock Twitter. Is every SEC fan base like that? Does every SEC fan base kind of jab back and forth with each other like on a daily basis? Because I tell people South Carolina is the greatest team to cover and have a business around because it just feels like it's nonstop drama. And then when you get into the offseason, it's like people have this pent-up energy that they normally use on South Carolina football. And when the Gamecocks are not playing – 
they use it on social media and it feels like shit hits the fan on a daily basis. Is that normal in the SEC or is Gamecock Nation unique in that way? The only fan base that's not like that, Chris, is Vanderbilt. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and Fair that's enough. why I love it, man. And we're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma soon enough. And I can only imagine they're the same way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, one minute they love you, one minute they hate you. And if you're putting takes out there, you're putting out content, you got to be able to, to to be man enough to take at all. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I love it, though, because if if they're not like that, I mean, I kind of kid, but it, but it is – a reality the, the only one like that is is or not like that is Vanderbilt and the worst thing that a fan base can be is apathetic to the program and you know at times South Carolina fans they could seem a little crazy I, trust me it's all across the SEC and it's just because we care so much we care too much but hey that's that's what that's why you, guys like me and you got a job because people care so much so I, I will never never uh, look down on people caring about their football program but yeah I mean it it is it's a sight to behold you know when when I got when a transfer comes in when a coordinator search is going on when oh. when God forbid a head coaching search yeah. is going on uh, <laughs> the madness the plane tracking yeah. uh, you know my uncle told me this my my sister's boyfriend yeah. told me this yeah. you know on and on and on um, yeah it, it's a madhouse and I love every second of it it's the best reality TV that the world can provide, man. I mean, it really is. But on that note, right, the coordinator search, that's exactly what we went through. And the Gamecocks land on Dowell Loggins. And that was a very, uh, I would say, highly scrutinized hiring by Shane Beamer. And yet we all kind of felt like th this was the hire he needed to hit a home run on. And Shane Beamer has emphasized multiple times that he got his guy. And this is the guy they wanted. I think if you listen to the presser when Shane Beamer and Dabble Loggins both spoke, I think that calmed a lot of Gamecock fans' nerves in regards to – I felt like if you could have made a checklist of everything you wanted them to address and, and talk about and make a point of emphasis, they did that. So everything sounded good. So far, so good. But your just overall thoughts on the hiring of Dabble Loggins and, of course – the pressure, I feel like, was heightened and turned up a little bit. Not that it wasn't already high, but when your arch rival goes and gets arguably the hottest OC name on the board, which Shane Beamer has implored again, they got their guy, and I'm not saying they're not. So everybody in the comments, please, for the love of God, understand that. But uh, just from your perspective, right? I mean, that's how you see it. Garrett Riley was the hot name. Dowell Loggins a little bit more off the wall. But you're just overall thoughts. Do you have any familiarity with Loggins? I know – you know, he's an Arkansas alum. He spent some time at Arkansas. But I think, you know, for – or at least from the national perspective or, you know, those that don't keep up up with it like we do, Dowell Loggins might be a name that they are unfamiliar with. Yes, it was pretty interesting to see that turn uh, from the Gamecocks, Chris, because it, it seemed like totally out on the guy. And then he holds his introductory presser. Mm-hmm. He's the best damn coordinator in the SEC. You know what I mean? So I even uh, – I was trying to find the tweet while you were talking there. I couldn't find it. But we we had one guy, Gamecock fan, uh, you know, basically bashing me. I, I didn't even say anything too bad about Dow Loggins. But – and then I looked it up literally a week prior. He said, I'm done with the Gamecocks if we hire this Loggins. Then Loggins has his presser. Man, we got our guy – all we got's all we need, all this. And this is the same guy in a week's yeah, time. And, and yeah. I said, is this you? And he said, that was last week. This is this week. You know what I mean? So, again, that goes back to the fanaticism. Oh, yeah. um, it, it is kind of interesting. I mean, I, I love Shane Beamer, and I love 
the energy, the enthusiasm. You can see it in this guy, win or loss, particularly particularly after a loss in these post games. Man, he is heated, and he gets kind of pissy, and that's not a critique because I'll take 12 Shane Beamers over 12 Nick Sabans and Kirby Smarts who are, are damn robots up there, and trust me, uh, they are not like that behind the scenes. So, hey, they're successful. I'm not calling them out because I, I think everybody looks at Georgia and Alabama and wants that level of success. But I'd rather have a guy that's transparent, that, that you know, he wears his emotion on his sleeves because it, it means the world to him. And, uh, you know, we see it clearly. I, I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. He's, he's criticizing media members. He's, you know, he's putting people on blast. He'll, he'll do it on social media. He'll do it in a press conference. I, I do find it a little weird, though, that, he, you know, that he, had, he has to point out, you know, how many SEC programs were in on Dow Loggins. I, I would say this. If he was still at Arkansas, he'd be the offensive coordinator today. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know if that makes you feel any better. I know programs that that looked at him, Kentucky and A&M, you know, those are two of the – I know South Carolina fans look down on Kentucky, but they've been pretty steady the last mm-hmm. couple of years. So there's, there is a track record, and I'm a big believer that, uh, you know, these coaches, they get paid a ton of money. I'm not saying their jobs don't matter, but I think players matter more than coaches. And when he was in the NFL, uh, I, I've seen the articles. I don't watch the NFL that closely anymore since I – uh, started working in the SEC, but I have seen the numbers. You know, his his offenses were terrible, but who did he have as quarterback? And he worked with some of the worst franchises in the NFL. So I don't put much stock into that. Uh, in the example I use, Mel Tucker, when he was with the Chicago Bears as a defensive coordinator, that was literally the worst defense I've ever seen in my life. And Kirby Smart hired this guy to be his defensive coordinator. I thought he was making a huge mistake. And I mean, he was instrumental in getting Georgia off the ground. Now he's a hundred million dollar man at Michigan State. So I don't really hold what these coaches do in the NFL against them. But you know, he does have an incredibly strong reputation. And Shane Beamer standing by his man, uh, I, I just thought it was hilarious when uh, he pulled out his damn Rolodex of Sean Payton, Bill Parcells, and and on and on and on of, of people that that speak highly of Dow Loggins. And like I said, I mean, he, he will probably be the head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks probably, uh, you know, down the line. I don't, I don't know when that will be, but hopefully after South Carolina wins a, a SEC national title. Mike, let's, let's move to the transfer portal and NIL because certainly it hit the Gamecocks this cycle. You know, a program that, that won it big last year by picking up guys like Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, Devonnie Reed, the list goes on and on. Uh, South Carolina was ravaged by it, right? We've seen Jordan Birch, Gilbert Edmond on the defensive side, and offensively, of, cl- of course, most notably, uh, Jaheim Bell to Florida State, Marshawn Lloyd to Southern Cal. You're just overall thoughts on the portal as a whole, but especially how it's affected South Carolina. I mean, I think it's one thing when you've got guys, you know, when, when they're hitting the portal to find more playing time or it's just not a good fit, right? Guys that don't play a ton, but – when you've got SEC starters, like undoubted, like Marshawn Lloyd is going to be the starting running back. There's no question. Jaheim Bell, I think that one was a little bit more understandable, understandable but still going to be a weapon in your offense. Jordan Birch, a starter, no doubt. So I'm sure you can imagine why it's just tough for Gamecock fans to stomach that. Your overall thoughts on 
the transfer portal, NIL as a whole, because it feels like it's getting even more out of control and just the way it affected South Carolina specifically. Yeah, I mean, it's wild, no doubt. Uh, but I, I certainly think South Carolina's benefited a lot more than they, they've been hurt. I mean, I, I don't know if they don't have Spencer Rattler. They, they probably don't have Juice Wells, if not for the transfer portal, uh, among many other players. And I think what it has done, I know Georgia is still dominant, but it seems to me like it's helped elevate a lot of teams that uh, normally – would be, I don't want to say at the bottom, but in the mid-tier, uh, particularly in the SEC. I mean, Tennessee's been hand at, uh, helped out tremendously. LSU just won the West. That would have never happened in year one under Brian Kelly without the transfer portal. Lane Kiffin, the portal king, he's made Ole Miss relevant. Uh, you know, Ole Miss does not recruit on the level of Alabama and, and A&M and LSU, yet they're competing with these teams because of the transfer portal. Uh, Arkansas is another one that has been helped tremendously. Of course, they just they just got ravaged by it themselves. So, I mean, the portal giveth and the portal taketh, no doubt. But I think, and, and particularly as the SEC gets stronger, as Texas and Oklahoma come into the league, make it a super league, I think the entire rest of the country, you know, if you do well in the Big 12, even the Big 10, Pac-12, what have you, but – you really want to prove yourself at the highest level, that's going to open the doors already to the SEC for programs like South Carolina to take advantage. You know, it's one thing to put up nice stats against Cal and Stanford and all those garbage teams they got there. But if you want to make it to the NFL, you got to come to a place like South Carolina and face Georgia. You got to face Florida. You got to face Clemson week in, week out. So I, I, at the end of the day, I mean, I get it. Everyone's kind of frustrated when you lose a guy. You know, you're, you're claiming offseason titles when you land a guy. I think it's good for the SEC. And, and another thing, I think it really – I think it hurts Alabama and Georgia potentially because guys there, they got many, many talented guys that are not in key roles that want to get on the field. And just because you can't get on the field at a place like that doesn't mean you can't somewhere else. And th that has – hurt depth at those uh, premier institutions. So, again, I think it, it helps bring them down to the pack a little bit, which is good for college football. Mike, I'd love to hear you speak on recruiting just briefly. Um, South Carolina, tons of momentum, top 20 nationally in recruiting, which, uh, you know, it is an achievement, but, I mean, almost the entire SEC is top 20. It's extremely competitive. But either way, the Gamecocks making great strides in recruiting. Shane Beamer doing things in regards to blue-chip ratio that uh, nobody's ever done, not even Steve Spurrier. Your just overall thoughts on the momentum they've built on the recruiting side of things. You look at what they're doing in 2024. Uh, they've got three commitments, all three or four stars, and one of them is Cam Pringle, the number one offensive tackle in the 2024 class. You look at 2025, and they're trending for, for a lot of big-time guys as well. Of course, the decision of Nicholas Harbor will be next Wednesday in South Carolina. They had their in-home last night with him. They feel like they're in a really good position there. You're just – your overall thoughts, again, the 30,000-foot view. I know you got to look at 14 different teams, but, um, you know, your just thoughts on the momentum that South Carolina has built, the way they've been able to translate that over to the recruiting side of things. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what I was talking about with Shane Beamer and just his emotion and, and his, you know, the love for the players and the program and how he hurts after a loss. You know, he's, he takes that same motto on the recruiting trail. 
And that's why we're having so much success and not to mention facilities that are, that are as good, if not better than anybody in the country fan base. That's out of this world. They'll love you to death. If you, if you, if you're a Gamecock and you're making plays also, and heck, even if you're not, you just commit to the Gamecocks. You already got thousands of thousands of supporters overnight. The game day experience, the pregame is unmatched down there when they're blasting 2001 and and blasting Tennessee out of the stadium, kicking them out of the college football playoff. Same thing with Clemson. And I love the fact that uh, Clemson, you know, they're I guess they're like too good for South Carolina prospects. I don't know what their deal is. So, hey, credit to the Gamecocks for, uh, you know, paying attention to, to the local prospects. I love a lot of the, the coaches. You know, we got to hand it to a lot of the assistants on Shane Beamer's staff. Um, are very, very underrated coaching staff in the SEC. And it's paying off big time, like you said. Um, he's just doing a better and better job each and every season. It, No no doubt. I mean, I couldn't believe people were, were questioning the contract extension, not necessarily the extension, but how much Shane Beamer was getting paid. I mean, that's the going rate in the SEC. you got to keep this momentum rolling. And uh, like I said, I mean, it's not crazy to sit here and say 10 wins, 11 wins next season. I'm not, I'm not sitting here predicting that necessarily, but I could certainly see that playing out. And if you do that, how could you not land a top five, top 10 recruiting class? Uh, I don't think that's out of the question either. Yeah, Mike, to your point about Shane Beamer's contract, he's still, I don't even think, in the top half of the SEC in, in salaries, right? So, I mean, it's, it's like you said, that's just kind of the norm. Um, he was severely underpaid for the job he did for the first two years, and certainly the extension and the raise was well-deserved. Hey, let's move into the 2023 season, the schedule again, Mike. I'm not going to ask you to lock in a way-too-early prediction. I mean, you've kind of given your range if things go well. If you've got a worst-case scenario, I guess you can throw that out there, too, and just generic thoughts. But, you know, I, I look at the season, Mike, and I, you may have heard me talking earlier. You know, there's there's certainly holes they need to plug on this roster, just like every other school, though, right? You've got question marks, if you will. And, I mean, we're sitting here in January, so they've got plenty of time. But you look at this schedule, Mike. Georgia's got a new quarterback. And I know they're still Georgia, but Georgia's got a new quarterback. Mississippi State, unfortunately, we have to talk about the elephant in the room. No more Mike Leach, rest in peace. But what are they going to look like that games at Willie B? Tennessee's got Bazooka Joe. I don't think Tennessee's going anywhere, but we saw what the Gamecocks just did to them. Florida is a work in progress, and I think that's putting it kindly. At Mizzou, we'll have a new quarterback. They've had your number, but you still feel confident about that when you can finally break that streak. Texas A&M, what are they? You just snapped the streak against them. Kentucky's got a new quarterback. Clem sucks, so you just beat. Like you mentioned, the first half of that schedule is really going to tell us everything we need to know. North Carolina, Furman at Georgia, Mississippi State at Tennessee, the bye week, Florida at Mizzou. Um, the Gamecocks have got to come out of the gate fast. But, I mean, Mike, you, you heard me talking about the QBs. I mean, I, I feel like for me, you know, there's a real reason to come into this season with a lot of optimism. I'm trying to even talk myself off of the off the ledge of picking 10 wins, if you will. You know, my way too early prediction was 9-3. and three. Again, I still think there's, there's questions to be answered. But – you know, I, I think it's realistic to expect South Carolina, and we've heard everybody talk in year three. That's kind of the year that sort of defines a coach's tenure, fairly or unfairly. Uh, it's a huge year. And one thing college football fans, I'm sure you know this, obviously, Mike, that fans don't want to do, 
They don't want to go backwards. So once you win eight, they don't want to go back and win seven. They don't want to win six. They want to win nine, right? People think that progress is supposed to be this chart where it's a, it's, it's a linear progression. It doesn't always work that way. Just ask Arkansas how they did in year three of the Sam Pittman era. So, um, you know, your just overall thoughts, again, going into 2023. I know you've touched on it briefly, but, uh, you know, it's shaping up to where it really could be a big, big year for South Carolina. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> expectation is always a dangerous thing in the SEC. I mean, Mike, we had people last year. We had people last year picking nine and ten wins. So I can't even imagine <laughs> what this summer is going to provide for the Gamecock fan base. Right. It, it just, I mean, <laughs> not that I've, I've gotten some backlash from a lot of uh, other SEC fan bases, but I don't know if you've checked out my latest power rankings. I got South Carolina number five mm-hmm. in the entire SEC. Now, the only teams higher. Georgia, LSU, Tennessee, and Alabama. So if you're putting South Carolina as the fifth best team in the SEC, which maybe that's not even high enough, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to be looking at nine, ten win type season, I would think. But again, I think it's all going to be determined early in the season uh, that North Carolina, that Bank of America Stadium, at times that seems to be a a house of horrors for South Carolina, uh, Georgia, I, I mean, <laughs> they could be down four quarterbacks. You know, I don't know if anyone's touching them. Yep. Uh, at least I, I got to hype them up because they're so dominant. Uh, but the back half, I think it, it all looks winnable. So there's no doubt that, uh, South Carolina should be very, very good next season. But I would also say, because I, I don't want to just come off as a South Carolina homer, I also think 5 through 10, 11 in the SEC, very, very, very tight. You know, there's not much separation between those teams. What if Kentucky, with Liam Cohen, what if their their offense, because I was never a big Will Levis fan, what if they are better on offense, which is <laughs> – God, they can't be much worse than they were last year. What if Bobby Petrino is exactly what A&M needed, which I think he is, all of a sudden A&M looks pretty good. Missouri's defense was pretty incredible. The, the offense was a train wreck. They have added a quarterback. They've added a really good offensive coordinator. What if they get it going? Uh, I think Florida's going to be pretty terrible. Though. I, can't, I can't really spin that as a dangerous game. you got two weeks to prepare for it at home, but – there are some some landmines in this schedule. So, again, I'm not trying to be pie in the sky. I would not sit here and say, yep, go, you know, uh, jump off a cliff if South Carolina doesn't win 11. But uh, I, I think nine, 10 wins is certainly in the realm of possibilities. And, and if I'm, if everything goes right, that's what I would be anticipating if I'm a Gamecock fan. Mike, I appreciate you being gracious with your time. Last thing before I get you out of here, and again, you just mentioned your SEC power rankings, and I apologize for not bringing those up earlier because, like you mentioned, your your early 2023 power rankings, you do have the Gamecocks fifth. I'd just love to hear you expand and explain. uh, When you look at Carolina, what stands out to you as to why you put them up so highly? Because, again, I mean, that that is a – that's a great spot to be in. Like you mentioned, I mean, the teams ahead of them, they're all elite ball clubs. But what stands out is that you like about South Carolina to put them number five in your power rankings? Well, a lot of that has to do with uh, Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells. I mean, I think that that has the potential to be the best connection in the SEC next season. Pete Limbo, I think they've got elite special teams, the best special teams in the SEC. You cannot overlook that. Uh, Clayton White, I 
you know, I, I don't think they have enough personnel. At least they didn't at the tail end. Of, I mean, it was kind of tough to watch in that Notre Dame game. They, they just ran out of gas. But I like some of the additions they made in the front seven to, to kind of bolster that, getting uh, the left tackle back, dials back. I mean, they've got some nice pieces to work around. And, again, it, it would have been nice, like you said, if Marshall and Lloyd come back. But I hate to say it, but running back is like the most – replaceable position in all of college football. So I got faith in South Carolina to get that going. And if the offensive line just gets a little bit better, this could be a very, very scary team. And I just love the momentum under Shane Beamer. Because again, I mean, it. we live now in, in such a society where we forget everything, but my God, they had to start a GA at quarterback and they managed to make it to a bowl game. And not only make it to a bowl game, but clobber, a North Carolina team that had a, an NFL quarterback under center, and they take that momentum. I realize it was a little slow last season, but man, all the potential in the world with the Gamecocks, and, and I don't, I don't put hardly any stock in bowl games, and that's that's easy to say when you lose it, uh, but I just don't with 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 players opting out and just just the weirdness of all that. So I, I guess I am kind of overlooking that Notre Dame loss. But, again, just the way they finished the season against Tennessee and Clemson, if they carry that over, um, I, I mean, they're, they're going to be one of the, the biggest problems in the SEC next season, I really do think. Michael Bratton, you know him better as SEC Mike of that SEC podcast. Mike, truly appreciate you taking the time, my friend. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, we'll talk soon. Appreciate you, Mike. Great stuff from SCC Mike, as always. The season cannot get here soon enough. Guys, that being said, we're going to open back up the phone lines. On the other side of the break, I want to continue to hear from you. More of your questions, your comments, your calls, and more. You're tuned in to The Daily Crow. All right, guys, are back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. Uh, really quick update when it comes to the TSUS Spring Tour. We are working with our friends over at Carolina Alehouse to finalize those dates. Um, probably not going to start the Spring Tour until end of March, maybe even beginning of April. So going to start a lot later than I expected. But understandably, Carolina Alehouse wanted to wait until we actually hit the spring and things warmed up a little bit. Uh, yours truly, I'm just so antsy on this side of things, just ready to sort of jump the gun a little bit. But uh, as soon as we get those dates finalized, guys, the spring tour will take place. I will let you all know, obviously, exactly when it's going to happen. We'll post the dates. We'll publish everything on social media. But uh, really excited. We're working through that, getting it ready to go. But we'll probably not even start until earliest would be late March, mid to late March, I would say. So just stay tuned for that. Also, want to say thank you to Michael Bratton, SEC Mike, that SEC podcast. That SEC podcast is a fantastic job and uh, really appreciate him and his insight. And I, I think, obviously, again, he sounds very high on the Gamecocks because they could win 10 or 11 games, 10 or 11 games. So the SEC just dropped their 2023 SEC softball preseason poll. Florida is picked to win it all, or at least pick number one. South Carolina picked 13th which there's only 13 teams because I guess Vanderbilt does not have a softball team. That's 
Very interesting. But the Gamecocks picked dead last in the SEC. So this is a big year for Bev Smith. Very, very big year for Beverly Smith, no doubt. I would expect baseball, uh, the, the coaches' polls and stuff like that, I would expect baseball to drop very, very soon. I just saw the Big 12 drop there. So um, I thought it was interesting also that SEC Mike talking about the Dowell Loggins could be the next head coach at Arkansas. That's that. I think that would certainly be a vote of confidence for Dowell Loggins and that, uh, you know, you know, he, he's, he's a caliber, he's, he's a head coaching caliber type of coach. I mean, I think that's got to make you feel pretty good about the decision for him to be OC. John Edwards said, I actually like that. The spring tours push back because it'll be warmer. We can be outside. Yeah, you're right. John Edwards, you're absolutely right. We can use the patios. Um, no doubt. No doubt. So I'm flexible. I'm going to go whenever I just, uh, you know, I, I just, I was ready to go, man. I'm antsy. I love doing it. And, um, yeah, so I, I see Coleman Hall and Coach Ford and Jeff Tarpley and y'all going back and forth craziness in the comments. I love it. I love it. It's electric. It's electric in here. All right, let's jump to the phone lines. Dalton. Dalton, what's up, man? How are you? Uh, I've been better, man. Stuck at home with COVID right now. Oh, man. I feel like every time you call me, you're sick. Or a lot of times you've called me, you've been sick. But I guess that's when you're staying home. Yeah, because so. I, I can't get out of work. I can't get out of work. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hate well, that I that's the say. reason. I hate that's the reason you're not at work. But uh, either way, man, what's up? But, yeah, I, w- I wanted to call and sort of uh, ask your opinion. If you think that, like, we kicking South Carolina second in the SEC East is, is a realistic sort of place for us. Because I know that uh, – I know that, you know, we haven't been top three or we haven't been top two in the East in a while. I think Tennessee finished ahead of us. Mm-hmm. We may have finished three or four this year. But I legitimately think that with all the guys we have coming back, our quarterback situation is, is the most, I would say, uh, I, I guess, I have the most confidence in our quarterback situation out of any other team in the East. Mm. And I just think it, it sets up really well to sort of come down between us and Georgia uh, to compete for that that first spot. There. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think when you look at who's back and, and who's not for other schools, and to your point, to your original question, which was could you see us being picked second in the East? I mean, if you pick South Carolina to finish second in the East, I, I don't think that's – like, I don't think you're off your rocker. You know, I think there's reason to justify that pick, especially – you know, if you're thinking the Gamecocks could go nine and three, ten and two, certainly, certainly they could finish second in the SEC East. Um, I will tell you this: that if I had to predict right now at SEC Media Days, I think the media will pick Tennessee to finish second, just because, as you know, we just typically don't get the benefit of the doubt from people. We 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 just don't, right? South Carolina, until we we earn it, we just don't get the benefit of the doubt. So, I, I if I had to predict right now, I think Georgia absolutely, certainly will be picked to win the SEC East at Media Days. I think the media will then slot Tennessee as the number two team. I think South Carolina will be picked to finish third. Uh, I mean, the only other team I could see, because like SEC Mike said, I mean, Florida's going to be terrible. So I, I don't think Florida's going to be up there. Maybe Mizzou, but I, I just I, I don't see that either. So um, I think the media picks well, the game. Is their quarterback returning? Well, they've got a new quarterback. Apparently, I, I don't even know who it is, but apparently Mike was saying they've got a quarterback they feel good about, a new offensive coordinator, so the offense should be better. I mean, heck, I'm more so worried about Mizzou from the standpoint of, you know, it seems like Eli Drinkwitz, for whatever reason, has some some 
some some magic spell against us that he pulls out that he just can't lose to South Carolina. So going back to his days at App State. So, you know, again, though, I, I think two and three is going to be Tennessee and South Carolina. I, I don't think Hunter – I don't think Kentucky's going to be all that great. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, depending on what Devin O'Leary can do, and they've got a new OC as well. But uh, when it comes to known commodities, I mean, I know, I know Dabble Loggins is new, but when you think about you've got Spencer Rattler and you've got Juice Wells back, that alone – that alone, um, you know, I think puts you in the discussion to finish in that two spot. Again, I think it'll be Tennessee picked to finish second just because they're Tennessee and what they did last year. And I think a lot of people think that Joe Milton's going to be, you know, not necessarily as good as Hendon Hooker was, but they're not going to take that much of a step back. You know what I mean? And I don't think Tennessee's going anywhere either. I think Tennessee is back to being an eight-win team, probably minimum. Like, I think Josh Heifel's actually doing a really good job. And I know as the number one Vol hater, you hate to hear that. I know Brendan M. hates to hear that, and others hate to hear that. But I don't care how good they are. We beat them 63-38, to 38, so what difference does it make? I don't care if they win 10 games as long as we can beat them. But, yeah, I think it'll be a battle between those two schools. Yeah, I mean, I, I, do think, <clears throat> I do think Tennessee and Georgia have a lot of talent uh, coming back. Or, or, you know, obviously they're recruiting very well. South Carolina's recruiting very well. Georgia's recruiting very well. But if you just look at the personnel – in the experience, like obviously Joe Milton has a lot of experience, right? Mm. He's been in college for, you know, 20 years, it feels like when he was at Michigan and then transferred to Tennessee. But I, I don't know. I just don't think that no matter how good of a schemer that, uh, Josh Heifel is and his offensive scheme is obviously very hard to defend. It's very good. I just don't know if, uh, Joe Milton is going to be able to be consistent throughout an entire season. But again, like you were saying, preseason, probably everybody's going to pick Tennessee to finish in that second slot just because they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, Hendon Hooker obviously was, was a special player. Yeah. Whereas I, I don't, I don't know if Joe Milton is going to be that. Well, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on Joe Milton, right? Cause they've got this $8 million quarterback coming in. If, I think if Milton struggles, man, there's going to be a lot of pressure to put the freshman in. But, uh, yeah, so to your point, I mean, I think it's, you know, this isn't the Tennessee show, but, of course, we play them. It's a point of emphasis. It's a point of interest for us. But I think that uh, – And Knoxville Knoxville has been a house of horrors. It has. Recently. Yeah. I mean, it's like we can't win a game in Knoxville yeah. ever. Yeah, it's a t I mean, it's a tough place to play, number one. But, number two, like you mentioned, we just uh, – we have not played well there uh, of late. I mean, the games haven't even been remotely close. So – you know, and Tennessee's going to have revenge on their mind, certainly. But, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of ball to play before that. I mean, I, I think the tone setter, obviously, is North Carolina. Uh, you got to be able to go out there and beat UNC. Because I, 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 I think that's a game, Dalton, where, again, one game doesn't, like, wreck your season necessarily. But we're all going to be coming into this season with, with hopes and dreams of nine or, God forbid, ten wins. And I think if you lose that UNC game, all of a sudden you go back to – you got to almost like scale back the expectations, right? Like, okay, eight and four now would be a great year again, right? Like seven and five might be more realistic than it was. And, um, you know, and so you, there's a lot of emphasis you beat, on UNC. You beat UNC, you know, the next uh, big game you got coming up is in Athens, right? Yeah. And I'm not going to say that, you know, we could – that it's, it's likely that we'll beat Georgia. I think we'll definitely be underdogs going to their place, but – you look at their quarterback situation and, you know, they're going to have to have a new guy come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Obviously they have a bunch of weapons. Their defense is going to be elite, but offensively, are they going to be able 
to produce the same way that they were this year with a much more experienced quarterback that's been in the system for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So it's uh, that's going to be a really, really fun game week one. I think it's probably going to be a close ball game back and forth, two great quarterbacks. And again, if you're going to hit that nine win or better mark, I, th- I think you've got to beat you've got to beat North Carolina. It's just got to have it, and you got to snap the streak against Mizzou. It, that that just that cannot continue. That that has to stop. That has to stop. I I, I dare to say I dare to say Dalton. I'd almost rather beat Mizzou than Tennessee. Like I, I'm just so tired of losing to Missouri. I, I just – I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to just beat them both, right, not even have well, the conversation. Especially but. because Missouri, talent-wise, like, isn't going to be nearly what they right. were, you know, uh, this year. I mean, they lost their their second – their first or second best receiver. Obviously, they still have uh, that five-star guy, uh, Luther Burden. But yeah. they lost Dominique Lovett. So, in their quarterback situation, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to have an elite quarterback. So – You've got you've got to go to Como and handle business. Yeah. That's that's uh, first and foremost, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yep. that that's uh, kind of what I, what I wanted to say. I, I think it is realistic that we finish second in the in the East at least, maybe even first if we somehow win that game in Athens. But we'll just have to see. <clears throat> That'd be something for sure. Yeah, two and zero going to Athens. That is the goal. And then, hey. Throw the kitchen sink at the dogs and, and just see what happens, man, for 60 minutes. So, Dalton, I appreciate you calling in, my guy. Hope you feel better. Hope you get over COVID soon. And, uh, yeah, appreciate you. All right. Peace out. Yeah, man. Take care, Dalton. Great stuff from our guy, Dalton, fellow member of the Big Cock Club. Appreciate him calling in. Guys, we got about 10 minutes before we jump into a break, and then we're going to get J.C. Sherbert on the show. So, go ahead and reach out, 843-790-3377. Again, I appreciate Michael Bratton, SEC Mike, uh, joining the show. Unfortunately, we couldn't have his camera on, but uh, either way, appreciate him uh, and you guys rolling with the punches as well and and, and being understanding with everything. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Anyways, DGD, I saw you ask me earlier, is, anybody, is everybody ready for September? Who's ready for September? He says, man, I'm not rushing baseball, man. I'm not rushing baseball, DGD. I, I love baseball season. I mean, I, I'm a baseball guy, though, right? I'm a baseball guy, um, which thank goodness I am, by the way, because I just imagine, like, if you don't if you don't like basketball or baseball, if you, like, if you're just solely football, what do you do? Like, what do you do in the spring? And, and what do you do in the summer? Like, like, what do you have to entertain yourself? Like, what, what do you... What do you diligently watch? What do you diligently follow? You know what I mean? I, I, I know there's spring practice, but who who is – I mean, what do you get? All you get out of spring practice is, is a little a couple of pressers here and there, and you get the spring game. And that's pretty much it, right? And I know that news drops on a daily basis, and it never stops. But, uh, yeah, anyways. So, KFC in Africa says baseball is so damn boring. Well, I'll tell you this, KFC, and I, I totally understand that baseball is not for everybody. And we were talking about this in the Big Cock Club Discord the other day. You know, my goal with the baseball content, because obviously I'm passionate about baseball. Like, I love it. You know, I played it, so it's a little bit different. It hits home for me. But my goal with baseball content, my goal is to make it informative enough for the diehard while also entertaining enough for the casual, right? If I if I can provide insight and analysis to those that love the game of baseball while also keeping those that, you know, they don't want to watch every game, but they want to be entertained, they want to follow along in, in a fun, relaxed, casual manner, 
you know, I want to be able to provide that too. So I, I like to think my content sort of falls in the middle, and that really goes for all sports, right? I, I like to think my content is able to to bring value to all types of fans. Like you don't have to be a diehard baseball fan to enjoy the baseball content that we create. That's 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 what I try to do. That's what I pride myself on, and just try to be as or provide as entertaining a content as possible um, each and every single day. So, anyways, Bruin Nation says love baseball, Gamecocks and Braves. Helps the summer go by faster. No doubt. No doubt. Not that we're trying to rush the summer, but I get what you're saying, Bruin Nation. It's uh, I mean, I, I love the yard cocks, man. I, I love the fact that I get to, I mean, I get to cover baseball. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just a blast and can't wait for the season and and just uh, you know, hoping for the best, man. I mean, you know, we were talking about this morning on Inside the Gamecocks with JC Sherbert about uh you know, South Carolina baseball and, and just how much fun it is, how much fun Columbia is and Founders Park is when we got meaning meaningful baseball in late April, early May, right? We've got a really, really good ball club. It's just, I mean, there, there's there's few ballparks that are more fun and more electric than Founders Park, truly. So hope to see some postseason baseball back in Columbia. And, you know, I was at that regional in 2021. And I mean, it, it was just a blast, dude. I mean, it was a blast. So um, really hoping to get back down there for that and, uh, you know, just excited for the season. We've got uh, 22 days till first pitch, basically three weeks till first pitch. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. Anyways, 84379033773790337. C says, I do enjoy watching the North Greenville baseball team. And they're really good. Yeah, they're really good. You know, it's a shame. I'm up here in Greenville. It's a shame that Furman disbanded their baseball program. That, that's just such a shame. Such a shame. Impacted by COVID, they said, nope, we're cutting it out in the budget. Bad move. That's a poor move. It uh, looks like, guys, the schedule for next week, we're going to have my good friend J.D. Paquel uh, of On3 on TDC on Monday. And then on Tuesday, who do we have Tuesday? We got Southeastern 14 on Tuesday. Those guys, we got them on Tuesday. So we got a jam-packed week, so we'll have guests, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll have guests on the Daily Crow Monday through Thursday of next week. Monday through Thursday of next week, we will have guests on the show. So, going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Coach Ford, not a baseball fan. I like going to the field here in Greenville, but not a TV watcher. Get stuff done before football. I hear you, Coach Ford. I hear you, man. I hear you. Maybe I'll run into you at one of these Greenville games. I, I will. My plan is probably to go to all the floor field games. So, because it's, shoot, it's 10 minutes from me. So, and floor field's a beautiful ballpark. It really is. So, big wash is college baseball doesn't get enough credit. It's actually surprisingly good. The media don't give it enough coverage. I agree. I think it's still very, very under, under, uh, under covered. I don't know if that's even the right word. It's, it's not covered in depth enough, I will say. It's not televised enough for sure. It's not televised enough for sure. Brendan, what's up, my friend? How are you? What's going on? Appreciate you tuning in, Brendan. I don't know if you heard this earlier, Brendan, but the the spring tour probably will not start until like last week of March, maybe even beginning of April. So we've got quite a while. So you might even be out of school by the time we do our Greenville date. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when the semester ends. But uh, yeah, Carolina Alehouse wanted to push back to when it is to when it's warmer, um, they wanted to push back to when it was warmer, so we shall see. By the way, guys, Elijah Caldwell, 2023 three-star wide receiver uh, per Sports Talk. <clears throat> he is announcing his commitment today in this hour, within this hour. 
Okay, so I don't know if it's going to be on Instagram. I don't know if it's going to be on Twitter. I, I, I don't. They didn't specify where, but per Sports Talk and per his coach, Northwestern wide receiver, <clears throat> excuse me, Elijah Caldwell, set to announce his commitment decision between the Gamecocks and NC State Thursday afternoon between one and two. So, sometime in this next hour, he's picking either South Carolina or NC State, and uh, we'll. Keep you up to date. We're going to have J.C. Sherbert on at 115. We might be reacting to that commitment live. So, <clears throat> good chance we'll be re reacting to that commitment live. Really excited for that. Any basketball talk? Anybody watch the basketball game? <laughs> We're just, like, completely done with it. Um, did anybody watch the basketball game last night? Did anybody watch it? I, I highly doubt it, but... Um, I'm just curious at this point. <clears throat> Rough sledding. It's it's just it's it's tough sledding for Gamecocks basketball, man. It's it's a I don't blame any of you. It's a tough product to watch. I mean, I said that on the podcast, guys. And if you want to claim I'm a bad fan for saying this, so be it. But you know, as fans, right? As common fans, you know, you, you have your obligations. You've got family. You've got work. You've got hobbies. You've got other things going on. And at the end of the day, Gamecocks athletics is a product. And I mean, if the product's not worthy of your time your energy certainly your money but I just bottom line is this I you know I, I unfortunately unfortunately there's no expectations and when there's no expectations apathy sets in and when there's no expectations there's almost, there's almost no reason to watch and so I'm not telling anybody not to watch I'm just telling you that I, I don't blame anybody that's sort of just kind of casually keeping one eye on it and you know not making it a point of emphasis to watch these games and you know, I, I would say to sell you one, if I was telling you to watch, watch G.G. Jackson because he continues to play well. But it, it's just it's just a tough scene, tough reality, um, tough set of circumstances, if you will, at the University of South Carolina when it comes to the basketball program and what's going on. And, you know, you just got to grin and bear it and learn to, learn to uh, you know, focus on the small wins. And hopefully Lamont Paris is able to recruit and build this thing. But uh, – you know, certainly tough right now. All right, guys, that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump into a break. On the other side, though, we got J.C. Sherbert of Inside the Gamecocks of the Big Spur. He will join us. All that and much more on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Appreciate you all tuning in here this Thursday, January the 26th, 2023. It is 1.15, of course, each and every single Thursday. I go on Inside the Gamecocks at 11.30 a.m. to talk South Carolina athletics, all the happenings, everything that's going on. And every single Thursday at 1.15, our good friend J.C. Sherbert of Inside the Gamecocks of the Big Spur. He joins us right now to break everything down. J.C., what's going on, my friend? Great to see you. How you doing? <laughs> Hey, great to be with you, Chris, today. A great segment, great show, and um, lots of good things happening out there. Uh, and so uh, glad to talk to you today. First things first, I love the beanie, JC. I, I love like the Yankee gray vibes, right? I, I feel like that black with white outline on gray is very, very underrated. And of course, Ray Tanner made it made it very popular. But I, I like when I see merch with that. I feel like that's a very underrated look. So 
I'm loving. I, I think I, I'm digging that. I got. I got to give my brother uh, Cam. He uh, he helps me with Carolina Rise. He's my partner with it, and uh, he put this together for like. Gosh, we I guess we had about seventy or eighty Gamecocks sign up for that before we even had a website. It was just on PayPal. Uh, and so we promised them like charter member swag. And so, and my, my fiance was one of them. So she, she got a box with this stuff in it, but I, I agree. Those, those Yankee looking Ray Tanner uniforms uh, during that era were sweet. I, I love it. Really sweet uniforms. I, I dig them. I, I think those uniforms scream excellence. So that's, yeah. that's why. I like well, they're still, they're still rocking them now. The only problem is we haven't been quite as excellent as we were. Hopefully that changes soon. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, the Yankee gray is an all-time look. And I don't know if you knew this, JC, but one of the reasons the Gamecocks rock those uniforms and also rock pinstripes, Ray Tanner is a Yankees fan. So that's ah. where he got his inspiration when they changed the uniforms. Because I think they went to those – you know, they, they changed the uniforms a good bit when he was there, if you look back over, like, the mid-early 2000s. But they released those – or they, they, they went to those pinstripes and those Yankee grays. I think it was, like – 2008 maybe 09 I want to say when they first started the new stadium so they haven't even been around that long but it's one of those things with uniforms when you win back-to-back national championships yeah I got a buddy of mine he's like I don't know how I feel about the pinstripes I'm like well they're not going anywhere because they're iconic at this point they're they're iconic right like so it's you know so anyways I agree completely agree we could spend the entire show talking uniforms at least another school another school in our state you know I always thought their baseball uniforms kind of look like softball uniforms so uh, I think uh, I think the Gamecocks uh, who have bragging rights over Clemson and baseball for forever uh, until they beat Carolina in the College World Series I think that's another thing that uh, Carolina's got on them is, is the Gamecock uniforms are much more classy i guess uh more like baseball uh and, and they, there's kind of like softball i've always thought that but anyway i would agree i'd say you're spot on jc let's uh let's get into the recruiting side of things just south kind of football as a whole because what a busy week um you know since you and i last spoke last week of course gamecocks land cam pringle michael smith i mean right it's never too early to start talking the 2024 class even 2025 i want to get into 2023 in a second as Shane Beamer continues to put the, fe- the the finishing touches on the class and while we have you on today we may even see another commitment Elijah Caldwell is expected to announce his decision and actually Justin Stepp just five minutes ago tweeted a uh, I believe this is Daffy yeah Daffy Duck gif of him doing like the fingers like he's like waiting on something so I, I would assume that means probably some positive news is around the corner but first Let's focus on what we know right now. And again, that is Shane Beamer and company. The Gamecocks are off to a fast start in the 2024 class. I was just looking, JC, uh, on 24-7 sports. They're ranked 12th overall with commitments from three four-stars, Cam Pringle, Michael Smith, Dante Reno, two of those three coming this week. And Cam Pringle, the number one rated offensive tackle in the 2024 class. And you look, and what really stood out to me, JC, the 46th ranked player nationally – I feel like to be ranked that high as an offensive lineman, you got to be really good. .9736 on the composite. We'll start with Pringle first. Your thoughts on him? I know we spoke on this last week, of course, but now that the Gamecocks have landed him, just your overall thoughts and how big of a pickup that is literally and figuratively for South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that when you look at the 2024 cycle in the state of South Carolina, uh, gosh, I, it was you probably have to go back to the 1990s. Uh, Brad Scott signed a really, really good offensive line class uh, later in his tenure here. Um, 
but a lot of those guys, gosh, for whatever reason, season, career-ending injuries, didn't make it into school, whatever. And that's the last time I think in this state you've had really more than one elite offensive line prospect. I mean, these guys, Pringle and Thompson, are a lot like Brandon Shell or, or Alex Barron back in the day that went to Florida State from Orangeburg-Wilkinson, uh, those types of guys. And, and that's to take nothing away – uh, from a, a Jordan McFadden at Clemson, who's awfully good at, at offensive tackle, or, you know, your TJ Johnsons and AJ Cans through the years, or, you know, anybody else from within the state, Kyle Nunn uh, from within the state that started and had a good career at Carolina. Uh, these guys, though, these are the type of guys Georgia and Alabama sign. Uh, you're six, seven, 300 plus pound guys that can move their feet. Um, Pringle is not, uh, you know, sometimes, and I was talking to one of one of our evaluators at 24-7 Sports, and a good rule of thumb when you're evaluating offensive tackles is you want guys like 6'7", 270 instead of 60 pounds heavier. Uh, but the difference is, you know, the reason you don't want that extra weight is because it's easier to put bulk on these big guys than to get it off of them. But Pringle's not a, uh, a a big fat guy. I mean, he's really quite uh, lean for that big, uh, and so is Josiah Thompson. So, uh, you know, really big pickup, number one tackle in the country. I think his overall ranking is going to continue to go up because most of the time when you're doing the rankings, your you're top offensive tackle, not necessarily a guard. It's hard to get a five-star rating as a guard or a center, but as a tackle, if you're the best in the country, you're usually in that five-star range. So, uh, I expect he and Josiah Thompson both, uh, and I do think Thompson will be a Gamecock eventually, uh, to be amongst the best in the country uh, at that position. And that's unprecedented when you're talking about in-state recruiting uh, and just kind of the types of players. that They've had D-linemen like this before a lot because uh, it's D-line heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Offensive tackles like this, only once in a blue moon. So, you know, Carolina's done a really good job of getting this one in the boat, uh, and then they got to close on Thompson, and I think – Wow, you know, you look at that, you look down the road, uh, you could definitely have two really good bookends uh, starting for the Gamecocks here in a few years. JC, what do you attribute that success to? Because I know I've spoken on it a lot in regards to, like, I, I love the fact that Beamer is committing to uh, recruiting guys in the trenches, right? I mean, he obviously understands it's a line of scrimmage league, but, I mean, you think back, I mean, South Carolina had some pretty good offensive lines from from 10 to 13 during that run, if you will, but – I mean, the Gamecocks have never recruited like this when it comes to the offensive line talent. And again, they're doing it on both sides. I mean, do you do, do you attribute that to anything specifically? I mean, is the is the tandem of this thing with Shane Beamer? Like, is it just a great run of players they're kind of running into? Like, like, do you feel like it's a philosophy thing, or is it just kind of? It's just kind of working out this way because South Carolina is obviously making some major, major ways when it comes to recruiting big-time offensive linemen specifically. Yeah, I think you had to give uh, Lonnie Teasley and Greg Atkins along with Sam Searby, uh, who I believe is a, either a grad assistant or an analyst on the O-line, a lot of credit. They've done a great job of building relationships with these guys, uh, and then it kind of all just feeds one on top of the other. Taylor Edwards, uh, the director of player personnel, is also very good at this. Um and last year, you know, to get a guy like Big Tree, Bob Alade, and Marquis Anderson, and you know, Trovon Ball, who probably is better than even his low four-star ranking says as an interior guy, and to get those guys in early and then close like they did, 
uh, even with some help in the portal this year on the offensive line. I think that's a testament to their ability to build relationships. I, I think that at the end of the day, would it have been easier for Big Tree to stay at home, uh, given some things that have happened in his personal life? Yeah, sure. But the relationship won out. The comfort level won out. And all recruiting decisions are based on that comfort level. Um, and, and you don't get to that ultimate comfort level um, without a nice blend, including having great relationships. Um, you know, you, you can have relationships, but if, if, you, if you're not showing promises of football program, uh, i.e. winning, um, that's going to cause that comfort level to decrease because kids want to go where they went, want to win. Uh, if you don't have facilities, that can cause the comfort level to decrease, you know, but uh, Shane Beamer and his staff have not only done a great job doing the, the relationship building, but also, I think, putting on the field an emerging product. Um, and it really started with A&M this year. You know, that game had a ton of recruits at it, especially 2024 guys. Uh, and that's kind of where the groundwork is laid. Uh, Williams-Brice Stadium looks like a rock concert now. Uh, in that environment for that game and the Tennessee game, it was second to none. Uh, and those were the big weekends where guys came in and were just kind of blown away. I mean, you know, you have, you have players participating in storming the field <laughs> afterward. Uh, from from a recruiting standpoint, that's that's almost unheard of because most of the time your recruits they're not really there as fans; they're just kind of checking it out. But the atmospheres at Williams Bryce, uh, the fact that the team, you know, was the talk of college football for two weeks, uh, really on into the bowl game. Uh, I think the fact that uh, you've got coaches there that want to build relationships uh, and kind of. Uh, embody what Shane Beamer wants to do with this program, with the culture and all of that. I think that speaks to success. And uh, yeah, you're right. South Carolina's never recruited like this on the O-line. I'll, I'll, I'll say this, uh, and it's not to rain on a parade or anything, but uh, O-line is a lot of a, a good crapshoot sometimes. If you look at the draft, you'll have a guy that was a five-star that may have gone somewhere that was, you know, ranked, you know, he's the first tackle taken. And the next guy is this guy from Northern Iowa that was like 6'9", 220 going into, uh, into, into college and had one offer, and now he's 6'9", 310 and a monster, you know, because mm-hmm. so much depends on Mother Nature, Chris, with this mm-hmm. position, how you're going to grow, how you're going to fill out. Mitch Hyatt at Clemson, for example, five-star offensive tackle, uh, really good college player, did not get drafted. Why? Because he never really got above 275 pounds, and you got to be bigger than that to play in the league. So um, it's, it, it is a crapshoot. Uh, a, a coach that you and I both know well uh, told me one time, he said, uh, on offensive line, if you sign five and three of them pan out, that's a good day. That's a good year. Um, so, so I, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say they're going to be Alabama or Georgia or A&M lining up here in two or three years. But, hey, the more you get, uh, if you do hit three of five, that means you get six or seven rather than four, you know, four or five and have weak links. So I, I think there's reason to be excited. You know, Shane Beamer has been clear that he wants to run the football. Uh, he, he believes in running the ball, that you have to do that. He's absolutely right. Um, and to run it effectively, you know, you have to have the big uglies up front. And Carolina is in the process of upgrading across the board uh, with the last class and now this cycle. JC, sticking with the 2024 class, uh, just a couple of days later after Cam Pringle, again, the momentum continued. Michael Smith from Savannah, Georgia, Calvary Day School, six foot four, 225 pound tight end, another four star, a point nine four one two on the 24 7 sports composite, the sixth ranked tight end in the country in the 2024 class. 
He chooses the Gamecocks, and, you know, J.C., you can tell a lot by a kid's offer list, and, I mean, this dude was offered by everybody. I mean, everybody wanted this kid. Uh, Just talk about his commitment, how big of a deal it is for South Carolina to, again, go into the state of Georgia and pull a guy like this. Again, the size jumps out to me, again, 6'4", 225, but the offer list especially. I mean, we're talking Alabama, Auburn, LSU. Like, everybody wanted this kid. Who did he not have an offer from? Your, Your overall thoughts on the Michael Smith commitment. Ah, yeah, he reminds me a lot of uh, – gosh, I think I've mentioned Clemson three or four times here so far. I hate to keep doing that. But uh, Dwayne Allen, who played at Clemson, and he also was in the NFL for a while. I think he played for the Seahawks or somebody like that. Uh, kid out of Eastern North Carolina. That's who Michael Smith reminds me of. Um, you know, he's not your uh, – like a like a, like a like a the Washington kid from Georgia, 6'7", 280. Uh, you know, looks like Zion Williamson out there or something like that. And that's not – that's not who this guy is. He, he's more compact, uh, almost built like a bigger receiver. Uh, I say he's probably, uh, you know, Dwayne Allen or Busta Anderson. Uh, but, but Busta, remember, was 205 coming out of McEachern High School in Powder Springs, Georgia. This guy's already 230. Uh, so I feel pretty good uh, about this guy, you know, putting on 15, 20 pounds and uh, keeping his speed and athleticism and hands and, you know, a special athlete, uh, you know, Dowell Loggins uh, was kind of the, the cherry on top of the Sunday, if you will. Eric Kemry, you know, offered Smith first before he left. Uh, Carolina's been recruiting him a while. They were the first to offer. Uh, then Jody Wright takes over, and Dowell Loggins was uh, Smith's uh, recruiter at Arkansas, right? And, and, and Arkansas was kind of in his top two. You know, it was kind of came, kind of came down to Arkansas and the Gamecocks, and, you know, that tells you a little bit about Dowell Loggins' ability to recruit. If you're going to go all the way from Fayetteville, Arkansas, to Coastal Georgia, and, and, and with all, a kid with all those offers, and you're going to get in his top two, you're probably a pretty good recruiter, <laughs> I would guess. And so um, when Loggins came on board, it was just a formality matter of time. Um, and certainly, you know, this guy uh, is in that tier of Georgia prospects, Chris. I think it's critical for South Carolina to win their share of battles in, uh, you know, Right now, you're probably not going to go beat Georgia or Alabama on the players in that state. They won't. You're also going to have a couple that go to like Florida, um, you know, Ohio State or wherever, or Florida State that just for whatever reason they want to go there. But then there's a whole swath of guys that Auburn recruits, Tennessee recruits, South Carolina and Florida recruit. Those are the types of battles you have to win in the state of Georgia. And if you look at last last cycle, 2023. Um, you know, I think I think when they had four guys that were four stars or higher in Georgia that were in that tier, uh, they won a lot of battles. You know, right now, Michael Smith's the first. You, you do have Wendell Gregory, another one of those Georgia four stars coming up, uh, you know. And so the Gamecocks, again, are using that state, which is important. You know, you think about the history of the program. George Rogers, Connor Shaw, Bob Sterling Sharp, uh, all those guys are from Georgia. Right. Dan Reeves, going back to the late Dan Reeves, Georgia. I mean, he's from America's. So South Carolina, historically, some of their better players have come from that state. And uh, it's important. And uh, I, I think there have been some staffs at times, like the, the Lou Holt staff at the end did not recruit the state. Didn't really do much over there at all. Uh, and then, you know, under Spurrier, you know, you, you didn't have a whole big commitment to it. But then it got to the point too, Chris, where at times when Lorenzo Ward was here, 
they would take a lot of guys out of that state that were probably the wrong guys. I mean, for every Mike Davis, there were three guys that never played. Uh, and you got to be careful with that too. I think under Will Muschamp and now under Shane Beamer, it, it's almost been fine-tuned. You know, Carolina, the last, you know, six, seven years, they've been focused on, you know, smaller numbers from Georgia, but the right guys. Uh, and, and I think that says a lot you know, and it's probably an understated thing when you, when you kind of look at Carolina's recruiting because, you know, these guys aren't in the top five in that state, but they're right there in that 2025 range. And, and there are a hell of a lot of good players right there. I and mean, there's, there's too many for Georgia to take. So uh, I, I think that's exactly the strategy that needs to happen. Uh, and, and it's paid off and will continue to pay off. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of reason for optimism right now with regards to recruiting. On that note, JC, as you were speaking, Elijah Caldwell has officially committed to the Gamecocks, the three-star wide receiver uh, out of Northwestern, Rock Hill, South Carolina, .8683 on the composite, uh, chooses South Carolina over NC State. Your live reaction to his commitment, six foot one ninety out of Northwestern, by the way, for the 2023 class. I, I think this one may end up being bigger than people think. Uh just going back and, you know, he was committed, I think, to East Carolina, you know, and, and this is this is one of those things, man. East Carolina and App State both, if they got a kid from South Carolina, they got him in early. A lot of times that guy ends up being a really good player <laughs> when all is said and done. Um, I, I, you know, I just watch him play and, uh, you know, it's that Northwestern high school offense. Like they've always run a lot of short passes. It's, it's a – it's probably the closest thing in high school to Mike Leach's air raid that I've seen. Uh, just not a lot of vertical, uh, but a lot of horizontal short passes, catch it and run, use your athletes. And boy, when Elijah Caldwell gets the ball, he can, he can get it and go. Uh, had a huge state championship game against South Florence. I talked to somebody today. Uh, maybe he was on my message board. I don't know, but, or, or maybe on the show, but, he said uh, he's a South Florence fan. He said Elijah burnt them to the ground <laughs> in the state championship game. Uh, and in this state, man, uh, I'll tell you somebody else that was a late pickup at receiver, Debo Samuel. Uh, I'll never forget the day that Steve Spurrier Jr. decided to take him. You know, the, the word was, he's like, I'm going to take Tyshun Samuel. <laughs> so Tyshun. Uh, was and that was that that was something I don't think any of us even, it didn't even register with the rest of us until shoot maybe 2016 how good Debo was. So in this state, receivers uh, work out more times than not. It, it's a it's a defensive line state. It's a wide receiver state, and you can usually find DBs just about every year. And so uh, I, I think because he's you know Northwestern in state, uh, you know enough speed, obviously enough ball skills, obviously. Uh, look out for Elijah Caldwell because this this could be one that you know is kind of understated. Like I said here, he's committing January twenty sixth. It's a little under the radar. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him on the radar sooner rather than later. There you go, Elijah Caldwell from Northwestern, big time get for sure at the wide receiver position. Let's keep it rolling, JC, with recruiting. I know we touched on this this morning, but. Uh, Nicholas Harbor, all eyes will be on him next Wednesday on National Signing Day as he makes his decision. I know Shane Beamer and company were in-house last night, uh, I'm sure giving their best possible sales pitch. Oregon gets him for their last visit this weekend. Um, I know you're not overly optimistic, which, again, as I told you this morning, I, I think it's very normal to just kind of be cautious about it because who knows? I mean, nobody knows, right? I, I don't feel like there's really any lean at this point. 
Um, is that accurate to say? I mean, do you think – I would ask you this. If he doesn't go to South Carolina, where do you think he'll end up? Do you have a feeling or do you think it's an Oregon? Do you think it's a, a Michigan? I know his mom likes likes Michigan a lot. You know, I know from talking to uh, talking to folks behind the scenes that, you know, South Carolina's 2023 recruits and, and, and uh, commitments are very tight with him and they're close and they have a great relationship and they feel like that can give them the edge. But um, unless you're in a Harbor's head or in the household with him or – your best friends with him, you probably don't know where he's going. And heck, he might not even know where he's going at this point. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that he does. I, I think he's going to give Oregon a long look, Chris. And um, we talked about it on the show just now. I I Googled and I forgot because I've been out there, right? I've been to the campus. And the thing about Oregon and, and University of Oregon is this it, it, you look at it, at it on TV or you see pictures, you're like, man, those are all nice facilities. And they are. Uh, but, like, Allison Stadium where they play football, you could fit that probably inside Williams-Brice and still have room to spare. Uh, same with basketball, same with baseball. They're, they're smaller venues, like quality over quantity. Their track facility is like – I mean, it looks like something from another country. Like, it, it, like look, look, when you turn it on and see these international track meets, double-decker stadium, stuff like that. Uh, so, I – I think that's impressive. Steve, Steve Prefontaine uh, ran track out there, Phil Knight, all that good stuff. So for a track athlete, it's going to be impressive. I, I think Michigan's kind of been that team that maybe even before the Gamecocks emerged uh, was kind of the team to beat. And then, of course, South Carolina. I, I'd be surprised if it weren't one of those three. You never know with Maryland because when, when you start – when it gets down to closing time – you know, Maryland will just start throwing everything at them, you know, because they have nothing to lose. So you, you never know with Maryland. So I don't want to count the Terps out, but I, I think it'll be one of those three. I'm, uh, it's one of those weird things. I'm probably not as optimistic as, you know, maybe even my, my contacts uh, within the football program are about it. And uh, it's probably, like I said earlier, it's probably because my two big stories, quote unquote, I've had um since december been dowell loggins and trey john jeff <laughs> and i'm like both of those caused uh well let's just say they both caused a reaction so maybe maybe i'm just gun shy but i'm just uh i don't know i think um i think uh the in-home visit last night went really well uh with beamer beamer's really good with the in-home so uh we'll see sort of how that, that plays out and you know certainly i i think there's you know, good news for the Gamecock fans out there. There's reason to tune in on the traditional signing day again. You know, normally you're just like, – last couple of years has been nothing, but uh, yeah. uh, there, there's there's a big announcement coming, so we'll see sort of what happens. Do, do we know time? Has he announced that yet? Or is that – I would assume he's going to work with a network and do it like nationally televised. Probably. And I, I don't know if uh, – I, I don't know if that's been set yet. I'm assuming he'll either do it with like – uh, CBS 24-7 Sports because they'll have an all-day thing going on or, or maybe even like uh, or ESPN. It'll be one of those two uh, if it is televised. And if it's not, I'm sure there'll be some streaming or something. Somebody will somebody will be up in Washington, D.C. making it happen. Yeah, don't think that one's going to go under the radar. That's safe to say. <laughs> Probably um, not. Yeah. <laughs> JC, I appreciate you being gracious with your time. Last thing, man, I, I, I definitely want to mention this. I feel like this sort of went under the radar, but uh, uh, Gamecocks did. You know, it came out this week. Eddie Lewis, the transfer wide receiver from Memphis, he's officially enrolled. So it became officially official. And you look at what he did at Memphis, was a solid player for them. 
I wanted to ask you about his addition, right? Because I wanted to make sure we give credit to it because we've seen South Carolina. I mean, you look at Juice Wells specifically. They've been able to go in the transfer portal and pick up guys that, you know, I know Juice Wells is obviously an All-American and a record setter at the FCS level versus where Lewis was just kind of a nice piece for the Memphis Tigers. But uh, did you have any thoughts on his game? I know, you know, the reason I asked too is because, you know, outside of Juice, I think wide receiver two is pretty wide open. I mean, you're going to have guys like Leggett and Brown and Joyner and, Sampson and Omega Blake and maybe some young guys fighting for it but I don't think you have that that clear-cut second definitely don't have a clear-cut third option so maybe a guy like Lewis could slide in and then just on the note of the transfer portal um, would you expect South Carolina to target anyone specifically or any specific positions maybe I should say as we continue to move forward because certainly now that you don't you're probably not getting Jeff Coat right I think that's at best case on life support I, I doubt it's happening um, there's definitely some holes in this roster. I think you could certainly plug with players in the portal, especially, I guess, what, it'll probably open up, I don't know exactly, after spring ball maybe, something like that, and you'll see some more movement. But just overall thoughts on the Lewis pickup and then the portal as a whole, how you think the Gamecocks will attack that? Yeah, I, I, they still need to edge. Uh, I, I don't think they would turn down a really good running back uh, if they had that uh, ability to go get a guy like that. Uh receiver if, if there is a guy out there um i can see it happening um by the way i was wrong <laughs> uh I'm, i was confusing jerkari caldwell with elijah caldwell. elijah caldwell was committed to west virginia so he, he was a big he was a big 12 commit i, I apologize for that because i said east carolina at the beginning of the show but again west virginia they throw it all over the yard they they love guys like this so that's uh, that's that's even better right um so so i, I think that's what they'll target uh you know, I, th I think they're done on the offensive line. I think unless there's a special player on the interior of the D-line, they're done. I think if they had a linebacker that they could get, they'd probably go. Um, corner, kind of 50-50, because, you know, there are some corners they could have gotten in the game with in the portal and elected not to just because of some, you know, silly demands that were coming in from, you know, uh, certain players' uh, inner circles about wanting to start. They really like the young defense defensive backs they have. Uh, and I've learned not to, not to just to always trust Tory and Gray on that, you know, right? And uh, so, you know, I I think linebacker, running back, definitely defensive end slash edge uh, will be, you know, so, some places Carolina will go at the very least window shopping. Um, the the issue's been too. I mean, you look at the transfer portal, Chris, and there are defensive ends in there, but Carolina's evaluated a lot of these guys and. You know, I talked to some people from some other schools too. The edge this year is kind of the offensive line uh, line situation from last year in the portal. Just aren't a lot of good players, you know. Uh, and so uh, it, it's tough to be in this position if you're South Carolina this year. Maybe that's why Gilbert Edmond and Jordan Birch were such uh, wanted wanted uh, products <laughs> this year because uh, there's been anybody. And so. Uh, I think, and I think that's what also made the Jeff Coat thing pretty disappointing. But you know, if they can find them, they can get them. Uh, I think Desmond Umiazulu, uh, Montague Rames, uh, come on down if it's your time to shine. Uh, Jordan Strong's got to get back from injury, uh, and even at that, I'm not so sure there won't be some kind of, uh, you know, not not necessarily a changing of the scheme, but maybe a. Uh, more of an emphasis on odd man fronts and things like that. Exotic looks next year for Clayton White. Because if you just don't have guys that can 
get out there and compete on, at the edge, you, you, you have to figure something else out. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the Gamecocks may not have uh, the luxury of, of trotting out a four down front and, and doing what they normally do. But Clayton uses a lot of odd front anyway. Uh, and so maybe you uh, maybe you just kind of tweak it and emphasize more of that next season to get a pass rush off and, uh, you know, make sure you can stop people, get the ball back to what should be a pretty good offense next year. Well, JC, we went the entire segment without talking basketball, so I guess we could call that a success. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, maybe, that, maybe that's a little harsh. Uh, anything you want to say on basketball? I mean, another tough one last night, but Gigi Jackson is fun to watch. I, I, I'm having a hard time finding hope. Well, it, 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 and I think it, it's more that it more has to more to do with like the the state of recruiting in that sport because it's just it's all nil free agency whatever, um, and so I have a hard time finding hope because if you go through a season like this normally, it's like okay, well, uh, there's rec- reinforcements are on the way, right? Uh, that's not the case, uh, you know. Well, no offense to the guys that are committed, the two in-state guys, they're they're pretty good. But you know, you, you just you know you're not sitting there waiting on the Fab Five to come in <laughs> or anything like that, and, and you kind of wonder, you know, this year's portal class that that Lamont went and got very, I'd say probably below average is what, what you call it. And so, you know, is he going to be able to get a higher quality guy in here? Um, you know, what, what's the plan? Um, and I know he told Mike Morgan you know, when Mike came over for the Ole Miss game that he should have hit the portal a little harder. Well, I mean, you know, great, but I mean, you, you knew you had three guys on the roster. So, and I'm not being critical. I'm just saying, yeah, well, maybe that's a lesson learned for a guy that uh, just got to this SEC level, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens uh, with, with him. Certainly it's hard to watch. I'm glad the baseball team has a typical Ray Tanner type schedule where they shouldn't lose a whole lot the first month or two of the season. So it'll at least give Gamecock fans some, some hope on the field or quarter or whatever. But, you know, right now it's just a, it's a tough situation with that men's basketball team. And, you know, it, it may get worse before it gets better. So unfortunately, so, so hopefully, uh, hopefully that won't be the case, but right now it's kind of uh, what it is. Indeed. J.C. Sherbert of Inside the Gamecocks, the Big Spur, joining us every single Thursday. J.C., man, I appreciate you taking the time. It's always a pleasure to chat with you and looking forward to doing it again next week, my friend. Should be a fun one with National Signing Day on Wednesday. Heck yeah, Chris. Uh, Thanks to all y'all out there that listen, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Sounds good. Appreciate you. Great stuff from J.C. Sherbert, as always. Uh, Guys, in case you missed anything of that conversation, of course, TDC drops on our podcast feed uh, every single day at 3 p.m. Eastern. Also, we'll have the full YouTube segment with J.C. Sherbert on our YouTube channel. That's just the Spurs Up show, of course. So go check that out. Guys, we're going to jump into one final break. On the other side, I want to continue to hear from you. We'll open it up for your questions, your comments, your calls, and more. You're tuned in to The Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Final eight minutes or so here on the Daily Crow. Appreciate you tuning in. A great segment yet again from our friend J.C. Sherbert of Inside the Gamecocks of the Big Spur. Always enjoy having J.C. on the show, and again, it's always great conversation. Uh, Elijah Caldwell committing 
to South Carolina. Three-star wide receiver out of Northwestern, Rock Hill, South Carolina, right there in John Edwards' neck of the woods. How about you, John Edwards? Six foot, 190, a point eight six eight three on the 24-7 sports composite. He chose the Gamecocks over NC State. Of course, at one time was committed to West Virginia. So overall, great to keep him home, great to keep him in state. And uh, the recruiting momentum continues for South Carolina football and Shane Beamer. Guys, phone lines are open. Would love to hear your questions, comments, calls as we close out the show here on this Thursday. Let's go ahead and get into it. Robbie Davis, Zaxby's Hall of Famer. Robbie, what's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm doing all right. My mom's dog's acting a fool. He was just dragging his, like, tunnel thing all over the front of the living room. It's funny. So I was... I got you. Hey, Robbie, let me – hey, Robbie, give me – do me a favor, Robbie. Call back in 30 seconds. I'm going to reset the phone because your volume is real low, and I think it's on my end. So, give me, like, 30 seconds and then call back in, all right? All right. All right, cool, cool. All right. Give me one second. I'm going to mute this real quick. Okay, there we go. Robbie Davis, you're listening. Please give us a call back. Uh, I forgot to reset this a while over the break. I was posting the commitment graphic from Elijah Caldwell. And if, basically, if you touch this cord, you've got to like reset it, make sure the volume's set up correctly. So, Robbie, call back in. Would love to chat with you. I know you're watching. 843-790-3377. Appreciate you, Jeff Gullage. Yeah, those were two great conversations. I appreciate the kind words, Jeff. Always a pleasure. Um, anyways, so Greg Bedinger says, quote, I'm having a hard time finding hope. That sums it up pretty good for me also. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's uh, pretty accurate. All right, here we go. Let's try this again. Call from Robbie Davis. Exactly. All the much better. Much, much better. Much better, Robbie. Appreciate your patience. What's going on? <laughs> oh, and uh, nothing much. Just watching my mom's dog. Nice. Very good. Before I called in the before I called in the first time, he was dragging his little red tunnel thing all over the kitchen and all over the living room. And now it's near the front door. He's just acting a fool. Mm. Gotcha. You all settled <laughs> in Somerville or no? Almost. I got to, after I get off of here, I'm going to uh, grab a trash bag that I have full of clean clothes and fold them and then take them up to my room. So, um, Gotcha. But I'm doing pretty good. Almost completely settled in here, which is a good thing. Um, do you really want my assessment of what I saw last night? <laughs> I mean, you're you're more than welcome to do so, Robbie. By the way, I don't know if you knew this. Women's do not play tonight. They are uh, they are they're off till Sunday. So I was just checking. That's a bit of a side note, but. Uh, yeah, my guy. If you want to, if you want to, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that uh, that twenty one point loss to Florida last night. First off, again, like I said, I'll, like I said the other day, I'm shocked we scored over fifty with how horrible we have played. And like you said last or yesterday, and like a lot of people said yesterday. It would have been a very game cockish thing to do to go into Gainesville and somehow 
pull off the W. Mm-hmm. But that really tall fella, whatever, however you pronounce his name, mm-hmm. for Florida, that Castleton? dude can ball. Yeah, that dude. Yeah. That dude is an absolute stud, okay? And I noticed any time we were on offense, there was not a lot of passing. There was way too much dribbling. And I told Marion R26 this last night, and I said, that's the problem right there. That's why we're not doing so good. We're not passing the ball all over the court because the ball moves faster than the players do. Mm-hmm. And in order for a in order for a team that's not that good to get high percentage shots, you've got to move the ball and we did not do that last night. Hardly at all. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for G.G. Jackson, we could have very easily lost by 30 or 40. That is a fact. Yeah, and, that is a fact. And, and, and honestly, I would not have started Hayden Brown over Josh Gray because he had three fouls not even halfway through the first half. Yeah, Hayden Brown's a foul. Hayden we, Brown's a fouling machine, my guy. He he seems to get in foul trouble very often. You've got to stop doing that because if it, if I, if it was me, I'd be like, you need to quit fouling, or you're going to be sitting your keister on the bench <laughs> until further notice because this is getting ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And just because he was a great scorer at the Citadel doesn't mean he's going to be a great scorer in the SEC. There's a major difference between the conference that the Citadel was in and the SEC. I mean, watching him last night, he missed layups. I very easily could have made if I was over six foot. but I'm not over six foot. How tall are you, Robbie? I am, I think, last I, last time I went to the doctor, they said I was like five, six and a half or almost five, seven, somewhere around there. So you and Dowell Loggins are the same exact height. You know that? <laughs> I did not know that until you told me. Yeah. Dowell Loggins, <laughs> I think it's five, seven. But like I said yesterday, right, we need to get to the point to where with the, with especially with the men's basketball team, obviously the girls team, it's, it's, it's NCAA tournament and national championship or bust. But with, but with the men's team, we need to just get to the point to where we're getting to the NIT and getting far in the NIT. And I think that would help tremendously with recruiting, which it's hard to recruit anyways these days with NIL and all this other 
BS that's going on mm-hmm. and the transfer portal and all that, all that mess. But I do believe at some point in the future, this basketball team will, will at least be not great, but competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what's most and concerning it's, is we're just we're just not yeah we're just not competitive we're just not competitive so it's tough to watch tough to watch very tough and how many more days we got until we start swinging the sticks my guy how yeah twenty twenty two days twenty two days about three weeks golly it couldn't get any it, is there any way it's here faster unfortunately <laughs> I don't I don't think so Robbie I wish I wish but uh. I've already talked to David uh, David Garrett. We're going to try and go to some baseball games this year, so I told him that if he decides to go to any, hit me up and we'll figure out a way to get to meet, to meet up somewhere since I now live in um, Corner. Hmm. So um, Very good. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and get off of here uh, because I know it's probably past 2 o'clock. And um, – you have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Robbie, you're the man. I appreciate you. Appreciate you too, my friend. All right, brother. Have a good one. Take care. You too. Appreciate it. Great stuff from Robbie and a great way to end today's show. Guys, again, thank you all so much. I want to say thank you to SEC Mike and J.C. Sherbert for taking the time to hop onto the show. Make sure you check out the podcast, by the way, that also dropped this morning. Episode 754, we broke down everything, caught you up on all the happenings with Gamecocks football. Uh, Also, the position at preview series continues as we talk Yardcocks catchers entering the season. We broke down the basketball game last night as well. And then Aaron Fitz of D1Baseball.com, he joined me for a great conversation regarding the 2023 Yardcocks ball club and everything upcoming with the season. Um, Outside of that, guys, appreciate y'all so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a fantastic rest of your Thursday, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.